Welcome back to The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG-FM. I'm your host, Jeremiah Jacques, and today's episode is about an individual who was a giant of history. It's about a man who left a deep impression on the world, drastically altering history's course and reshaping the landscape of civilization. We'll leave his name unspoken for a moment here at the beginning and build up a little bit of suspense, and this might give you time to impress your listening companions by saying his name before it's revealed. As an introduction, I'll go through seven quick clues about this man, starting with the ones that are the least likely to give away his identity, and then working through to the more revealing ones. Every night of his adult life, this man slept with a certain book under his pillow. It was a book that was very dear to him. Some reports say this man suffered from something called allurophobia, which is an irrational fear of cats. He had a condition called heterochromia iridum. That means eyes of two different colors. One of his was blue and one was brown. And this man once confronted a pirate, asking the pirate why he thought it was okay to seize control of ships and sea lanes. And the pirate answered, asking why this man thought it was okay for him to seize control of the whole earth. This man received an impressive education, having been personally taught one-on-one by none other than Aristotle. He established about 70 cities and named 20 of these after himself. One of them he named after his horse. The final fact or clue before speaking his name is that at one point in time, this man was simultaneously king of Persia, pharaoh of Egypt, king of Macedonia, and supreme ruler of Asia. Today's episode is about Alexander the Great. We'll discuss some about Alexander's life and legacy in general, but we'll focus mostly on one certain aspect of his life that is very seldom discussed by modern historians— And that is that not only was Alexander's reign predicted in the Old Testament long before he was born, but when Alexander visited Jerusalem, the high priest there showed him those Bible prophecies, and he said, Alexander, these prophecies are about you. And if you're not familiar with this fascinating chapter of history, I think you will be astounded to learn how Alexander reacted to being told that an ancient religious book predicted his life and conquests long before he was born. And I think you'll be very interested to learn what Alexander did after being shown those Bible prophecies about himself. Alexander was born in 356 BC in the city of Pella, which was the ancient capital of Macedonia. His father was Philip II, and his mother was Olympias of Epirus. From his father, Alexander learned the art and science of warfare, but historians agree that his mother was far more influential in his life. From her, Alexander inherited a profound love of learning, but also his fiery, zealous, and sometimes ruthless nature. 
It's also important to know that when he was a boy, Alexander's mother constantly told him that he was part god. His mother's family had long claimed to be descendants of Achilles, who they believed was a demigod of some kind, and his mother constantly told Alexander that this meant some divine blood was pumping through his veins. Of course, that's all nonsense. Achilles was a myth, and Alexander was a mortal man like any other, but it is important because of the profound effect these stories had on Alexander. He believed he was the descendant of the demigod Achilles. This belief prompted Alexander to study all he could about Achilles. It's a well-established fact that Alexander even carried with him a copy of the Iliad by Homer, which is a book mostly about all of Achilles' conquests. Historians say that every night Alexander slept with that book under his pillow, and he carried it with him into every battle. And he tried to live by Achilles' example of might tempered by mercy. So it's clear that the young Alexander believed his mother when she said he was partly divine. And this will be especially important to keep in mind a little later in the episode as we consider how and why Alexander reacted as he did to being told that the Bible had predicted his life and his conquests long before he was born. We'll get there soon enough, but first a little bit more about Alexander's early life. When he was about 12 years old, his father Philip was offered a massive horse named Bucephalus. But none of Philip's men could tame the animal, and neither could Philip himself. It was out of control, bucking, kicking, and refusing all riders. So Philip decided to decline the offer. Well, Alexander was just a boy, but he asked his dad for a chance to tame the horse. He actually said that he would pay for it if he failed to tame it. Bucephalus had two different colored eyes, apparently, just like Alexander, and so the boy really wanted it to become his horse. Well, the historic account of Plutarch says Alexander succeeded almost instantly at soothing the horse and successfully mounting it, and his father was just overjoyed by Alexander's display of courage and ambition and by his ability to do what none of the men there had been able to do. After seeing Alexander tame the horse, his father reportedly said, My boy, you must find a kingdom big enough for your ambitions. Macedon is too small for you. Well, this horse taming event ended up contributing more to Alexander's belief that he was someone special, someone more than an ordinary human. And it wasn't long after taming Bucephalus that Alexander began to openly claim the status of a demigod. As mentioned in the introduction there, when Alexander was young, he was personally taught by Aristotle. Before Aristotle, there was a whole cast of very impressive tutors and instructors cultivating him into a very refined future king. But all of that education culminated in the instruction he received from Aristotle. Throughout the ages, Aristotle has been regarded as one of the best thinkers who ever lived, and at that time, he was seen as the single greatest mind in all of Greece. Among the subjects Aristotle taught Alexander was the Hebrew language. And that's another fact which is relevant to the chapter of Alexander's life that we'll be focusing on most today, his time in Jerusalem. Aristotle also taught Alexander to speak Latin and to better command the Greek language. He taught him how to reason, how to debate, 
He taught him all about ocean and wind currents and everything he knew about astronomy. He also taught him moral lessons, such as the dangers of living a life devoted to pleasure, which many wealthy Greeks and Macedonians at that time were doing. Alexander often said that he loved Aristotle as much as he loved himself, and he once wrote, I am indebted to my father for living, but to my teacher for living well. So Alexander had a remarkable education, and everything was unfolding quite well for him until one day when he was 20 years old and his father was assassinated. This would have been around 336 BC, and Alexander had already entered military service by this time. He had been a soldier for at least two years and had proven himself a formidable force on the battlefield. But now, suddenly, at just 20 years old, he assumed the throne of Macedonia. And he assumed command of the massive army that his father had spent his life assembling and training. Under Philip II's brilliant military prowess, the Greek city-states had all been united under Macedonian rule, and the military that Philip left to Alexander was not like other militaries of the day. Instead of being made up of citizen-based militias, these were full-time professional soldiers, and there were several different types of military units, which gave it a diversified strength. There was infantry, cavalry, and an elite guardsman, akin to modern special forces units. These all made the Macedonian army a really formidable fighting machine. So after ascending the throne, Alexander embarked on the great military campaign that his father had been planning for much of his life, the conquest of the mighty Persian Empire. This is where this history of Alexander the Great begins to fulfill Bible prophecy in a very specific way. We'll talk more about the fascinating details of that soon. But first, it's important to know that for several generations before Alexander, the massive Persian Empire had dominated much of the known world, including some Greek cities. And many in Greece and Macedonia felt that it threatened the very existence of the Greek way of life. When Alexander became Macedonia's king, he was determined to use the vast power he had inherited to smash the Persians. In 334 BC, he gathered his army. It was about 32,000 infantry and about 5,100 cavalry. And he prepared to liberate Greek cities from Persian rule and to conquer other cities and nations too. But just before he entered into Asia Minor to wage this campaign, Alexander's mother pulled him aside and told him that his true father was not Philip II, but none other than Zeus, the king of the Greek pantheon. She had always told him that he was the descendant of Achilles, but now she took this delusion a a big step further. 
she said that since he was the son of Zeus, he needed to conquer in a way that was suitable to his divine origin. Well, that was the last time Alexander would ever see his homeland or his mother again. He entered Asia Minor, and the first city he conquered was Baalbek, which he renamed Heliopolis. Then he came to Ephesus. That's the city that later became home to a Christian community, which the Apostle Paul wrote his famous letter to. After liberating Ephesus from Persian rule, Alexander defeated the Persian army's main force at the Battle of Isos. Then he sacked the cities of Sidon and Aleppo, and then he conquered the rest of Syria, and then Egypt. Things were going incredibly well for Alexander. At this time, he would have been about 24 years old, and he was undefeated. Every single battle was a victory for him. He felt invincible. He felt like his victories were proof that his mother had always been right. He would have felt like he really was an immortal god. And it was around that time that Alexander set his sights on Jerusalem. Josephus, the Jewish historian who lived in the first century AD, wrote about Alexander. And he said that when he was just about to enter the city of Jerusalem, the Jewish high priest at that time, a man named Jadua, met him on the outskirts of the city. Jadua was not alone. He was leading a procession of affluent residents of the city, and they hoped that by walking out to meet this mighty warrior, they might keep Jerusalem from being destroyed by Alexander's ferocious army, the way so many other cities had been. Well, for some reason, the sight of the high priest and the procession gave Alexander pause. He decided to enter the city peacefully. Once inside, Jadua showed Alexander some passages in the book of Daniel. And he said, Alexander, these scriptures in this ancient holy book are about you. When we come back, we'll learn how Alexander reacted to this news from the high priest. You're listening to The Sun Also Rises on KPCG, 101.3 on the FM dial here in Edmond, Oklahoma, and the live stream is available at kpcg.fm. We'll be right back. We'll be right back to The Sun Also Rises, here on 101.3 KPCG, online, streaming live at kpcg.fm. You can also listen to the live link at thetrumpet.com. Fascinating program today about some of the uh, more unknown history of Alexander the Great. There's a booklet that uh, you need to get. This is a tremendous booklet. It's free at thetrumpet.com. The title is History and Prophecy of the Middle East. And the synopsis says this. The next time you read about peace in the Middle East, consider the facts. 
For over 4,000 years, the Middle East has been fraught with cultural, political, and religious violence. Much of this history is recorded in the history book almost no one relies on, the Holy Bible. And what makes the Bible so unique compared to other historical accounts is that it recorded much of this history before it occurred. That certainly impressed Alexander the Great, and it should impress all of us. Request this free booklet, History and Prophecy of the Middle East. You can request it or read it right now at thetrumpet.com. Welcome back to The Sun Also Rises. My name is Jeremiah Jacques, and today's episode is about an event from the life of Alexander the Great that you may not have heard about before. If you'd like to email the program, send those comments our way by emailing tsar at kpcg.fm. T-S-A-R is just the first letter of each word from The Sun Also Rises. We'd love to hear from you. Some listeners have sent us ideas for topics for future episodes of the show and tips about some inspiring or otherwise important stories. And we're very grateful for those tips and ideas and for the other encouraging feedback. So please send that correspondence our way at tsar at kpcg.fm. Well, in the first half of the show, we talked about some details of the childhood of Alexander the Great and the start of his campaigns to basically conquer the world. And after he was about four years into those wondrously successful campaigns, Alexander set his sights on Jerusalem. But before any violence had the chance to occur there, the high priest of Jerusalem showed Alexander some prophecies from the book of Daniel, and he told Alexander that they were about him. At this point in the account, it's important to know that God had inspired the prophet Daniel to write his book long before Alexander was born. Daniel was inspired to write it around the year 535 B.C. We know that because of Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1, where Daniel says he's writing in the third year of the reign of Cyrus the Great, which historians agree would have been around 535 B.C. So when Daniel wrote, it was 180 years before Alexander was born, and about 200 years before he became king of Macedonia. We have a very powerful booklet that we would love to send you a free copy of that explains much of this in detail. You heard about this booklet in the break there. It's called The History and Prophecy of the Middle East. I'd like to read a quote from it, which says, For most people, the fact that Daniel chapters 10 and 11 record nearly 400 years of Middle Eastern conflict is not a big deal. After all, there are thousands of history books, many of which give a much more detailed account of the history than Daniel. But what makes Daniel's version different is that it was written before the events happened. That's right. Daniel wrote about 400 years of history before it was history. That makes it fulfilled prophecy. Well, from there, the booklet goes on to explain what Daniel wrote far in advance about the Persian Empire and the details he recorded about how that mighty empire would meet its end by the hand of none other than Alexander the Great. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 2 talks about how the Persian Empire would come to dominate the world 
and even control parts of Greece. The language in the Revised Standard Version says, The Persian Empire shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. Daniel had written that long before it happened, and then in the time after Daniel and before Alexander was king, it did happen. And then verse 3 goes on to talk about how the tables would turn on the Persians in favor of the Greeks. It says this transition would happen at the hand of a specific mighty king, which is Alexander the Great. Verse 3 says, Out of Greece then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. There are also companion passages to this a few chapters earlier in Daniel, there in Daniel 8, which give even more details about this mighty Greek king who would rise up and defeat the Persian Empire. In the Daniel 8 passages, Alexander the Great is referred to in symbolic language as a young, strong goat who is the king of Greece. And it's all about Alexander the Great. And the astounding thing is that nearly 200 years before he was born, Daniel wrote that this Greek king would rise up and conquer the Persian Empire and usher in the era of the Greco-Macedonian Empire. And then it all happened, just as had been written. It is some really fascinating history that you can prove for yourself, and a great starting point for that would be cruising into thetrumpet.com and ordering a free copy of the History and Prophecy of the Middle East. That's thetrumpet.com, and you just click on the Literature tab to place your order. I hope you'll order your own copy of this concise and very powerful booklet. Well, to get back to Alexander and Jadua, you can imagine Alexander the Great standing there in the temple, right next to this high priest. You can imagine Alexander being shown this ancient scroll with the words of Daniel written on it. And thanks to the education he had received from Aristotle, Alexander could read the Hebrew words that Daniel had written. He needed no translation. He had also been told by his mother his whole life that he was no ordinary man, but someone with divine blood, blood of Achilles and Zeus coursing through his veins. This passage in Daniel, of course, did not say Alexander the Great was divine in any way, but it did say that he was an exceptionally mighty king. And the Jews would have told Alexander that the book of Daniel had the true God's fingerprints all over it. It was written by the inspiration of the creator of the universe. Well, we don't know all the details, and we can only speculate about Alexander's thought process here, but it may be that the fact that his mother had always told him he was of divine origin made him more open to believing these ancient holy scriptures were about him. Or maybe he was just compelled by the direct language about a mighty king from Greece overthrowing the Persian Empire, especially since by this time he had already made so much progress toward that end. But whatever his reasoning was, Alexander the Great believed 
that he himself was the man being discussed in these Bible passages. He believed that it was a true prophecy and that he himself was in the process of fulfilling it. Josephus, the historian, wrote about this fateful moment in his text, Antiquities of the Jews. I'll read a passage here from that text. This is from Book 11, Chapter 8, and Section 5. And it comes from the William Whiston translation. It says, And when the book of Daniel was showed to Alexander, wherein Daniel declared that one of the Greeks should destroy the Persians, he, Alexander, supposed that he himself was the person intended. And as he was then glad... He dismissed the multitude for the present. But the next day, he called them to him and bade them ask what favors they pleased of him. Whereupon the high priest desired that they might enjoy the laws of their forefathers and might pay no tribute on the seventh year. Alexander granted them all they desired, and when they entreated him that he would permit the Jews in Babylon and Medea to enjoy their own laws also, He willingly promised to do thereafter what they desired. This is astounding. Alexander not only believed that the prophecies in Daniel were about himself, but because of that belief, he gave great favor to the Jews. Whereas he had pillaged and plundered many other cities and destroyed them and renamed many of them after himself, and required many of them to adopt much of the Greco-Macedonian culture. For this city of Jerusalem, it was totally different. He allowed them to keep their own laws. He gave them a massive break in paying tribute, and he said that he would basically give them whatever they asked of him. Josephus goes on to explain that the Samaritans were so astounded by Alexander's treatment of the Jews that when Alexander came next to their city, they tried to convince him that they were also Jewish. They wanted to be shown the same favor. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this glimpse back into history, into this uh, seldom-discussed chapter of the life of Alexander the Great. I hope you've enjoyed seeing how prophecy and history really intersected there in Jerusalem in such a fascinating way. And I hope also that you'll order a copy of the History and Prophecy of the Middle East so you can carefully read through it and come to understand the amazing God-given insight that Daniel had to have prophesied of the Persian Empire and of Alexander's empire and so many other pivotal chapters of history, many of which are still yet to be fulfilled. So please visit thetrumpet.com to order your copy. Well, we really appreciate you listening to The Sun Also Rises today and hope that you'll send us your feedback and comments to tsar at kpcg.fm. I would like to thank the KPCG operations manager, Mr. Dwight Falk, and the technical crew, Abraham Blondo and Josh Sloan. And I'll leave you with these words spoken long ago by Alexander the Great. I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep 
led by a lion. Well, thank you again, and please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of The Sun Also Rises.